Welcome back, everybody, to the Daniel Griffith Show. I'm your host, Daniel Griffith. With me, as always, is my love monkey, JC. All right, I got my list of guys here. We got one, two, three, four, five, six, eight, eleven, thirteen names. I got thirteen. You got Cam Smith, so we don't have to talk about Cam Smith. The only reason he was on the thing was that he's been mocked so much. Yeah, I don't think he's going round one. I mean, if I had to pick between Cam Smith and Julius Brents, I'd take Brents. I would too. Brents is on my my wish list. Mazzy Smith, I would not take, but he's on my he's on the list simply because I think that the NFL probably thinks a lot higher of him than most. We met with uh, uh, Jaquelin Roy. Yeah, and we met with Kendry uh, Kendry Miller. Saw that. And then some other some other dude I've never heard of as well. Who the guy from Oklahoma State? What's his name? Uh, Tyler Lacey. Probably. Yeah, he's well. He's doing a top thirty. Mm-hmm. That's it. But Taji Spears, that I have not yet been able to confirm if that's a top thirty or if he just visited with us because he told the guy from Locked On Saints that he had a visit scheduled with the Jaguars, but he didn't know if it was top thirty or. If it was he was scheduled to just meet with them after the thing, or I don't really know what the difference is. Well, top 30 is where they come to the facility. And so far, the only two confirmed top 30 visits that we have are Lacey and McBride. McBride? Uh, the running back from. Oh, Dwayne, 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 Dwayne. Yeah. We've had we've met at we've had meeting uh we've had formal meetings at pro days with the Clemson kicker. Uh my uh May, is it Maisie or Mozzie? Maisie? Mozzie Smith. Mozzie Smith, Jacqueline uh Jacqueline Roy, uh, Roy. It's spelled Jacqueline, but he's a man. <laughs> and Kendry Miller. That's like Daniel Hunter. For some reason, LSU defensive <laughs> yeah. linemen just love naming themselves so his so on his high school team uh i don't think he was a senior that year i think he was an 11th grader maybe his in 2017 his high school went uh like 13 or 14 and 0 how do all these louisiana high schools just go undefeated eh? you you guys don't play each other (laughs) so his that year 2017 they went 14 or no or something. Uh they won the state championship. In that season, they beat four state champions. They beat four other schools that year that won state. Uh they played three state champions non-district and then a we have uh separate we have select and non-select playoffs here private and public. Uh hand these things out like candy. Yeah. 
So they beat the public school champion that was also from their district that year, who is the school I currently work at. And then they beat three other state champions in non-district play. They beat Zachary, who had a ton of talent that year, and they beat Catholic High. Well, on that team, University Lab, you had Jaquil and Roy, who's going to be a draft pick. You had Christian Harris, who plays linebacker for the Texans. Uh, you had uh, Micaiah Tongue, who went to Georgia, but now plays for Oregon State. You had Mike Hollins, running back that went to Virginia. You had a quarterback that walked on at LSU. You had another D-lineman that went to Navy. Uh, and you had Brighton Constantine, linebacker that went to Clemson, all in the same high school team. See, we, we can't really do that because the teams that win national championships are in, like, Jacksonville and Miami. And it's a seven-hour drive. Yeah. And San Aquinas. But they're in, like, Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, and anybody really worth the shit goes to IMG anyway. Or San Aquinas. Yeah. Well, Santa Claus is like a real high school. AMG isn't really a real school. <laughs> yeah, Santa Aquinas has the most NFL players. Yeah, and no, our strength coach used to be the strength coach at uh, Aquinas. But you, the school J- uh, Jaquilin Roy went to is the lab school for LSU. It's like on LSU's campus. It's University Lab. Oh, we have yeah. a we have a school. UF owns a K through twelve. Yeah, same deal here. And then there is we have Southern Lab also, which is on Southern's campus. So there's two in Baton Rouge that are K through twelve. Yeah, ours is uh, PK Young. Uh, who would you know that went to PK Young? Um, Doring. I'm pretty sure Doring went to PK Young. Okay. Um, it's it's not a very popular school for PK Young High Young Developmental Research School. Mm-hmm. Let's look at their Wikipedia notable um, uh, Doug Dickey, Robert Baker, Chris Doring, Jerry Jackson, and Willie Jackson were both really good. Charles McGriff. Who are these people? So, yeah, Chris Doring, that's it. Everybody else, I do not know because I'm not a Florida fan. Doug Dickey. I don't know who Doug Dickey is. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. He's 90, and he hasn't coached since the 70s, so no, I'm sorry. I don't know who he is. The Hall of Fame coach. I don't know, but he's not like – come on. He's not like Bear Bryant. Like, I, How's he in the Hall of Fame? He was 2-7 and seven in bowl games. What the fuck? <laughs> uh, Willie Jackson was really good. He was a – obviously, he was a regular season Hall of Famer. Yeah, Willie Jackson. Willie and Terry, are they brothers? Yeah. Four thousand yards in college. Uh, uh, three year, three year receiver for the Jaguars <laughs> in the early, early days. Professional skateboarder Rodney Mullen. Bernie Parrish. Ooh, he played in the NFL before black people could. <laughs> He's a, also a Hall of Famer. 
for the University of Florida. All pro in 1964. Peter Small, groundbreaking researcher for tuberculosis and AIDS, went to that school. Hmm. Wow. Anthony Richardson's probably the most famous person to go to my school. My high school. The first employee ever at Google went to my high school. He's a fairly big YouTuber. I didn't know that. He's got two million subs. Uh, my high school right now, honestly, our most famous alumni is Sam Burns. Based on like current success. Mm -hmm. He was a part of five consecutive state championships in high school as a golfer because he started golfing for the varsity in the seventh grade. And it would have been six in a row, but his senior year he played in his first professional tournament or something like that because he still golfed in college. So I guess he wouldn't have been able to do it. He did something where he couldn't compete his senior year. Maybe early enrolled at LSU to start playing that spring. I don't know. Uh, but we have Sam Burns, Shea Patterson, who did not graduate from my school, though. We have Greedy Williams. Rodarius Williams, his brother, who plays for the Giants. And Brandon Wilson, who plays for the Bengals. If my buddy could stay healthy, Jesus Christ. Who? If Brandon Wilson, I played high school ball with him, one of my very best friends in high school. He just... Ever since high school, he just can't stay healthy, and it's it's killed him because he's such a good football player. I'm looking up to see if I know any famous people that went to Florida that like aren't sports. We're recording. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Brandon Wilson had like the like he's like he like set a record in college. Because he had like an offensive, defensive, and special team touchdown in the same season. Mm -hmm. uh, he returned that missed field goal against Oklahoma back like 109 yards to the house. You don't remember that 2016? It was like opening game when Houston upset Oklahoma. They kicked a long field goal, and the guy caught it in the back of the end zone and took it all the way back. Oh, vaguely. vaguely. Yeah, that, that was my buddy from high school. He got drafted in the sixth round of the Bengals. He's been with them. He, I mean, he's played in the NFL for six seasons. There's nothing to, like, be ashamed of. And he's had big moments in the NFL. Like, he's returned multiple kickoffs for touchdowns. 
Um, but he just can't he just can't stay healthy. Tore his ACL. Marco 2021, Rubio. couldn't play in 2022. Marco Rubio went to Florida. Jesus Christ, the Angels are showing already in the first fucking game how bad they suck. The Rays, uh, freaking McClanahan is a god. McClanahan gave up four hits. Top of the fourth, Trout walks, Otani singles, fly out, line out, fielder's choice, no runs. Ass. But the bright side, of course, always is also Shohei Otani. Three hit, three innings pitched so far, no hits, no runs, four Ks. <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna break my heart when he walks in the offseason because we're not. I mean, if, if we were gonna keep him, we would have signed him already. We suck. Notable staff on the Wikipedia page. It's got to be uh, Peterson is the only person that they would say notable staff. Oh, no, Todd Walker was our baseball coach. I forget for a little bit. Victoria Leonardo. Oh, she's the one that's the Spanish teacher that fights in the that fights in the UFC. It's important to mention that the reason my high school hasn't produced that many famous people is because we've only been open since 2005. <laughs> Very uh, infant sage high school. Yeah, that's very new. Reporters, Aaron Andrews. Oh. She went to, she, I'm just looking at Florida alone. Dan Hicken. What was her big deal? Wasn't it like somebody like, made like a peephole in her hotel room and got naked photos of her. Yeah. Uh, they photographed her from like across the street. I didn't know Dan Hicken went to Florida. You should know him. Mm-hmm. Oh, Laura Rutledge. I didn't know she went to Florida. Eugene Deckeroff, I knew that. I can't claim LSU as my school to look up famous alumni, so because I didn't go there. But I can look up the University of Louisiana Monroe. You didn't go there either. I did. That's what my uh, diploma says. Tim Brando. Willie Robertson. Cy Robertson. 
No, no, he went to, he went to, uh, I'm sorry, not Cy. Phil went to ULM, SMU. Yeah. Phil went to Tech. SMU. Phil Robertson? Went to SMU. The Duck Man? He was uh, the quarterback with Brett Favre. Not Brett Favre. uh, He was the quarterback with Terry Bradshaw at Louisiana Tech. Damn, it was LA Tech. I was thinking Nick Mullins for some reason. Uh, Tim McGraw, ULM. Who? Oh, you get out of here. <laughs> uh, let's see. Football players. Stan Humphreys. No. You don't know who Stan Humphreys is? No. It's the whitest name I've ever heard. Uh, Stan Humphreys uh, was a sixth round pick by the Redskins. He won a Super Bowl with Washington. Uh, he's in the Chargers Hall of Fame. He was on the 50th anniversary team for the Chargers. And he had he is tied for the NFL record of longest touchdown pass, 99 yards. Didn't you just say he's a defensive end? No, Stan Humphreys is a quarterback. Oh. I've never heard of this man ever. Um look, baseball, you've probably heard Ben Sheets or Chuck Finley. Chuck Finley. ULM. And of course, the most notable ULM athletic alumni there is. Doug Peterson, head coach of your Jacksonville Jaguars. I believe when Doug played there, though, they were still known as Northeastern Louisiana University. Oh, God. Although a lot of the state schools used to be directionally named until uh, they became parts of the University of Louisiana system. Uh, UL Lafayette used to be Southwestern Louisiana State. Or no, I'm sorry, they were Southeastern Louis Southwestern Louisiana University. ULM was Northeastern. We also had Southeastern and Northwestern. Northwestern and Southeastern still have their names. The other two became University of Louisiana Monroe and University of Louisiana Lafayette, which has changed their name again to just University of Louisiana. But that's just for athletic purposes. The school is still called Lafayette. UL, uh, Lafayette and LSU have a rivalry. Uh, Not really based on sports because it's obvious who's been more dominant. Uh, But it's like a pissing contest, so that's why they call themselves University of Louisiana. We have that with FSU, except we're just better at FSU than at everything. True. Top five public university. Can't Allegedly. Beat, can't beat LSU at football consistently, but hey, top five public university. I think that's the, the school part. Yeah, well. 
where's math and science ever going to take you? We're talking about football. Oh, the A's are about to bust it open. Second and third. Two out. Come on, Otani. All right, you ready to go? I suppose. As soon as Otani strikes out. Otani's pitching. Oh. So it'd be like more of as soon as he gives up this home run. It's two 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 count. Oh, uh, you have to. That's the thing. You like rub the bill of your hat when it's two 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 in the dugout and your guy's batting. I used to coach baseball, and that's it was like a thing that a lot of teams did. Uh, it doesn't happen often enough. <laughs> well, yeah, but you got to have a thing for it. Strike three, Otani. Six Ks through four innings. McClanahan had six and six. Shohei Otani, future Dodger. <laughs> Padre. Dodgers are going to pay him $600 million, apparently, is what the rumor is going to be. Is. Who owns the Dodgers? Apparently, Mansa Musa. Who? Mansa Musa. Who? Richest man that ever, like, historically, they say it was the richest man to ever live. Oh, the random ass king that lived in Africa? Mm hmm. Mansa Musa. Yeah. You go to a top five public university, I expect you to know these things. Well, I, I, I know who you're talking about. I, I just didn't specifically remember his name. Uh, Guggenheim Baseball Management is who owns the Dodgers. Okay, who owns that? It consists of the controlling partner, Mark Walter, but also includes Magic Johnson, Peter Goober, who's a movie producer, Stan uh, Castine, who's a a team executive, Bobby Patton, who's an investor, uh, Billy Jean King. Mark Walter's the controlling guy. Let's see where he made his money. He also, uh, so he's the chairman of the Dodgers. He's mm -hmm. the co-owner of Chelsea. Um, How'd he make his money? I'm trying to see uh, his. Oh, uh, he owns Guggenheim Partners, a privately held global financial service company with a service firm that has $325 billion in assets under management. It still blows my mind that Shad Khan made his money off of freaking bumpers. American dream. You know, I don't know if he was bullshitting today. Uh, but Dilla tweeted something about like wait until they announce that the Jags are playing back to back games in London coming up, like two straight weeks in London. Mm -hmm. Just move the team. It's like that's what he wants to do. Like the fact that he's never once come out and said no. 
should very much scare all Florida Floridians that it's eventually going to happen. Jesus Christ, the the top two teams, the top two teams in the Eastern Conference in the NBA played tonight, one and two. The number one team won by 41 points. Who are they? Uh, Boston and Milwaukee. Boston won 140 to 99. My buddy just texted me and said, you missed a hell of a game. He went to the LSU Tennessee series opener tonight. Baseball? Yeah. Increase scores. Clean scores. Here comes Pearson. A basis clearing double for George. Oh, LSU won. LSU won five to two. They scored three in the bottom of the eighth to break the uh to break the tie. Good for them. I love it when people are like you missed a hell of a game when like I was never going. <laughs> All right, here we go. Let's do it. Welcome back, everybody, to Duval Till We Pod. My name is Daniel Griffiths. With me, JC. No one cares how his day is going, so we're going to move right past it. Uh, JC, do you want to talk about uh, – you want to knock some things off the list here before we get into what we're going to talk about today? Yeah, so uh, two little nuggets of Jags news um, in a very – continuing to be a very slow offseason. Um one disappointing and one's actually kind of happy, and at least in my opinion. Uh, we'll go with well, good news, bad news first. Uh, bad. Okay, let's go bad news. Um, the beloved Calais Campbell uh, has signed a one-year deal with the Atlanta Falcons, um, skipped his last two rumored visits that he was supposed to take. Well, three, technically. The rumors were that he was going to visit the Jets, Bills, and Lions before making his free agency decision to the point that even uh, the Jets GM mentioned at the owners' meetings that they had a scheduled meeting with Calais. Um, He's canceled those. He signed a one-year deal with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Jaguars' Twitter erupted uh, early, early uh, in the morning a few days ago when it broke. Um, Many, many disappointed people. Uh, many people talking very poorly about Calais, which doesn't make any sense to me uh, at all to be angry with him. Um, I assume he got offered more financials than he could have gotten here from Atlanta. Um, also a chance to make another positive impact on another city, which he did here, which he did in Arizona, which he did in Baltimore. 
Um, like it would have been a cool story, um, but I don't think we're going to – we're not going to lose a ton on the field by not having Calais Campbell back. Uh, we're going to probably lose more in the community and in the locker room than we would have lost as far as, you know, sacks and production went. Um, but, yeah, it, it was a bummer. Uh, and, you know, I'll, I'll get your thoughts on it before we talk about the happy news. Yeah, it would, it would have been nice to see Calais back, simply to have a, a, an experienced – before you even get into to the off-the-field and leadership type stuff, you know, just, just to have an experienced veteran in there. And, and a guy that's got some size to him because I, I think that, you know, we're, we're lacking that a little bit on our defensive line. Um, guy that, you know, can, can really, I think, could have helped Trayvon Walker, especially because we transitioned Calais more from a defensive tackle to a defensive end, which is what we're trying to do with Trayvon because he played mainly defensive tackle in, in, at Georgia. Um, and we played him at Ed Rusher, linebacker, stand-up rusher this year, which was con- – confusing um i'm hoping we see more of him hand in the dirt this year but uh i think it would have been really good for trayvon if if we were able to bring calais in um it would have been awesome for for the community and for the locker room um but it's not something i'm too worried about individually but when you look at the offseason as a whole the jaguars kind of been sitting on their hands here haven't done much of anything have made zero impact moves aside from the Calvin Ridley deal this past year, but uh, there's there's still some really good edge rushers available. Um, I'm interested to see if the Jaguars want to look at those guys before the draft, but uh, the draft is quickly approaching and, and the Jaguars still have some needs to fill. Yeah. And, um, you know, like we won't talk too much about it. It's disappointing more from a nostalgia and what it could have meant for the team standpoint, less on the field production. Um, you would like to see, uh, Trent Baalke make another free agency move before the draft. I would personally anyway. Um, you Just the people on social media that are, oh, just draft one. Oh, just draft one. Okay, well, it has to fall the right way. Like the draft isn't like some preordained thing. Um, the NFL script writers, I don't know how much they are involved in the draft process. Uh, just, just say, oh, well, you can draft one. Okay, well – if your top edge rusher that you want at 24 is gone, are you going to take the guy that you have rated to be a, a top 50 pick at 24 just to get an edge rusher? No, you're not going to do that. You're going to take best available at another position. And then 56 comes around and, oh, our, our guy that we wanted here at edge is gone too. So should we take a guy in the eighties? No, like you don't do that in the draft, not good teams anyway. So like to just assume you can fill all your needs in the draft to me is a dangerous game. Um, you know, I'm usually the optimistic one on this podcast, but even I'm not just going to assume the Jags are going to be really good in 2023 because uh, horror, sto- horror, horrible memories of 2018 come to mind where I just assumed the Jags had arrived and we brought that whole team back from 2017 and I just assumed we'd be really good. So I'm not doing that again. Um, so you'd like to see Trent make some mo- make at least one more veteran addition to either that secondary or or pass rush. Somebody maybe we've heard of would be nice uh, before the draft so that we're not putting all of our eggs in the basket of, oh, we'll just draft a guy uh, and pray that that works out. Because even though Trent has drafted well the last two years, it, you can't assume anything about this game. We are one game away from having Caleb on chase on B year. 
one injury away, one game away from having Caleb on Chase on be your starting edge rusher right now. Or Jordan Smith. <laughs> Who I forget exists. I, uh, I, I hope we see something from him this year. But anyway, we, we can get, if you'd like, really quickly to the good news. Uh, and I say good news because it involves the Jaguars losing an unrestricted free agent. But I consider it good news because I he was a guy that I believe we were never attempting to re-sign, and that's Marvin Jones Jr. Uh, Marvin Jones Jr. was signed here uh, under Urban Meyer. Um, he was a guy that came in with a lot of expectations, didn't really live up to them in 2021, which nobody really did on the whole roster. Um, 2022, he was not – a big-time producer, uh, but it's important to remember that Marvin Jones had some incredibly clutch moments in 2022. Um, he scored a touchdown against the Chargers in the playoff game. Uh, he had the game-winning touchdown against Baltimore. Uh, he still, even as the fourth receiving option on the team, caught 46 passes, 529 yards, and three touchdowns, which – statistically doesn't sound that impressive, but as the fourth option and knowing that all three of those touchdowns were very big plays, um, he was responsible for some big moments for us this year. So he is returning home uh, to the Detroit Lions where he spent the first, I believe, 10 or 11 years of his career, uh, a place where he was obviously very well liked by the fans and by the organization. Uh, so he seems on social media, obviously very excited about the return. He feels the need that DJ Chark, uh, left open by going on to Carolina. Uh, so it's a cool story for a really good dude, uh, that gave us his best while he was here in Marvin Jones, uh, to getting to go back to his roots in Detroit, uh, and presumably finish his career. Yeah, I'm happy for him. I, uh, I never expected too much when we signed Marvin Jones, um, a couple years ago, but I, I think he had a fine career in Jack or a fine career stint in, in Jacksonville, you know, made some plays for us. He was never really going to be a wow guy. He was, he was never going to be a guy that was going to break tackles and, and turn a 20 yard gain into 60, but he was a guy that Trevor could really rely on to get open and, and uh, make a play when we needed one on third down. But uh, you know, I'm happy for him. I think he'll do well in Detroit back home. That's a really good offense, so I'm excited for him uh, there. And with Chark gone, he, he may see some uh, some targets. We'll see what they do in, in the draft. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for, for Marvin Jones. Yeah, no doubt. Good dude. Uh, you know, gave us his best while he was here. Seemed incredibly well-liked by everyone that he played with and was coached by uh, and made some very big plays for us in 2022 on our run to a division championship and a playoff win. Uh, so I wish Marvin uh, a very successful end of his career, if that's what it's going to be here coming up soon, uh, and hope that he's able to uh, ha have a nice uh, 2023 in Detroit. You want to get into the the meat of the uh, the sandwich today? Let's do it. Let's get into the meat and potatoes of why we're here. So uh, JC and I wanted to to look at some options for the Jaguars at 24 and, and get you guys a little more familiar with who the Jaguars may be targeting. I have 8, 11, 13 names here on my list. Uh, we've got four edge rushers, four corners, three offensive players, and then two defensive linemen. Um, starting off, I'll, I'll start with edge rushers. I think that this is probably the most likely way the Jaguars go at this point. Um, 
you've got four really good ones that may be there for Jacksonville. Nolan Smith from Georgia, freaky, freaky athlete, a little bit on the lighter side, as as is another guy on this list. Lucas Van Ness, who never started a game for Iowa, um, but is freak athlete and, and is expected to go really high. We'll see. He, he may be a guy that slips a little bit to Jacksonville spot. Miles Murphy, who was projected before this year to be a top five block. Um, and he he's fallen down a little bit. We'll see, you know, maybe Jacksonville's where where his slide stops. And then Will McDonald, who who's probably more of a round two guy, but may slip into the back half of the first round. Um, similar to Nolan Smith, really, really light, but uh, but really good, really good athlete, really good bend at at, at rusher. Yeah, and uh, like you said, the first name that pops in my uh, pops into my head is is Miles Murphy out of Clemson. He um you know, he's had some injury issues. He is going to have kind of like a private pro day coming up soon. I think it's going to be on Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken, the 4th. I think he's having like kind of his little private deal. Um, he has not tested at all this offseason yet, um, but that's coming up for him. Uh, you know, a guy like you mentioned, Nolan Smith, freaky athlete, I think uh, 9-2-4 RAS was his final tally. Um, but like you said, a little bit on the smaller side, but um, – God, what an athlete. Uh, I don't expect him to be there for us at 24. I, I think that an edge-needy team, it's really going to come down because I, I expect Miles Murphy, even with his injury, to probably be the first edge after Will Anderson to go. And then it comes to does either Lucas Van Ness or Nolan Smith fall to us at 24. Um, both could be gone. You know, like I, I texted you the other day um, joking around that I had ran a simulation where both were gone. And, McD- and Will McDonald by the time they got to the Jaguars. Um, but Will McDonald was a 9-7-2 RAS. Um, another guy who's real athletic, um, tested really, really well. A guy that I'd be excited about. I, I don't have any complaints about anybody on that list you just named. I, I'm not very picky this year when it comes to the 24th overall pick. And I think that's a uh, kind of a luxury of picking late is that there's more people that you're satisfied with. You know, last year at the number one overall pick, um, there was really only about four guys that were, like, seriously considered. You know, we talked about Trevon Walker, Aiden Hutchinson, uh, Ikea Kwanu, um, Evan Neal. That was about uh, it. That was about it. So, um, and I really would have been fine with any of those four. Um so like this year, the list is even is even greater. You know, two years ago there was no okay with anyone else. <laughs> if we didn't take Trevor Lawrence, somebody something needed to be done. But uh, this year there there's a big list of names, uh, and any of those addressers you just named would make me very very happy. Uh, Lucas Van Ness, another guy, nine seven five. This edge class is not just good; they are athletic as it gets. Um, so not only are you seeing a edge class that's talented, um, they're not like static, stiff, traditional defensive ends. Like the, these are athletes. These are guys that you could actually feel pretty confident with a lot of them when they do have to get out and cover in the flats as an outside linebacker standing up in uh, in a Mike Caldwell scheme. Yeah, and you uh, the only guy you didn't have an RAS for because he's been injured is Miles Murphy, who's been often compared to Trayvon Walker. Uh, athletically so you know and Trayvon Walker is one of the best uh, testing defensive ends ever 
Um, so that that's something to keep an eye on as well. I if I had to rank them, I'd probably go Nolan Smith, Lucas Van Ness, Miles Murphy, Will McDonald. Um, and the closest would be Nolan Smith and Lucas Van Ness. They're both really, really good. Um, so I, I think that the Jaguars hopefully will have at least two of these guys on the board when in 24 comes along. Um, I, I expect Will McDonald to be there, but uh, the, we shall see. Well, I mean, and like we've talked about a lot in this draft, if Brian Branch is there at 24 and you say, hey, we're going to wait on edge, there's some really freaking good edges that could be available at 56. Or maybe in a position where you might have to trade up into those late 40s to grab mm-hmm. a guy just to be safe. Um, but, you know, there's I'm looking at a list of five more guys that could be there at 56 that are also probably day one contributors. Ojolari. Uh, uh, BJ Ojolari, Felix, uh, Enadike Uzama. Uh, Keon White from Georgia Tech, Isaiah Foskey from Notre Dame, who's the all-time sack leader at Notre Dame. Um, you're going to pronounce my guy from Northwestern's name. Adebore. Yep, Adebore, who is – I may not be able to say his name, but I have watched his tape, and that boy's real good. Zach Harrison's really um, good. Zach Harrison's really good. Byron Young from Tennessee is like a third-round options, a really good player. Like, this is – Stupid long arms for Byron um, Young. Yeah, there, there's a lot. Nick Hampton from App State as a late-round guy. Like, this is a good edge class. And and um, don't forget about the linebackers, too, who are listed at linebacker, but are, are some guys that can really rush the passer. There's a few of them. Uh, Nick Herbig, Drew Sanders. I expect Sanders to be gone well before 56. But, you know, there, there's some linebackers, too, who can really rush the passer. Yeah, but uh, any of the guys you named, I, I'd be ecstatic with it at 24. Like I said, I, I'm easy this year. I'm, I'm, I know what our needs are, and I'm more focused on filling those needs as opposed to who fills them because I have that much confidence in multiple guys in this edge class. Moving on to corner, um, some guys that could play nickel or, or outside corner for us. There's some big body here, uh, big bodies here. Uh, we've got Brian Branch, a safety from Alabama. Julius Brents, another Kansas State player, um, very, very good. Uh, bigger guy, played mostly outside for, for Kansas State, but had one of the best um, best seasons at corner in the uh, in college football this past year, Deontay Branch, who I love. And then uh, you got Keely Ringo, who's probably a, a Balky favorite. Yeah, um, he, he's my least favorite of the ones you just named, Kelly Ringo. A good as player. It, as is he mine. Yeah. yeah, um, but you look at like Deontay Banks, Maryland, nine 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 on the RAS. Sticky uh, as hell. Yeah. Julius Brents, who me and you are both really big fans of. Uh, and I believe that the draft world is starting to join our fandom because you're starting to see his name creep up pretty heavily into that first round conversation. Um he's a he's a nine eight two guy on the RAS scale. When you're as big as he is and can move as well as he does, you're going to get drafted high. Yeah, and he's on my wish list uh, for the Jags personally. Um, he's a guy that if we didn't go corner at 24, I'd be banging the table to trade up into those early 40s if he falls uh, from 56 to grab. Um, I bet you he's gone by pick 40. Uh, whoever you know, whoever picks in that range, if he doesn't go first round, whoever picks in the thirty-three to forty range, I don't expect him to be, to be there for very long. Uh, you know, Cam Smith out of South Carolina is another really good player that we we didn't quite mention yet. Um, 
he's not the top of my list, but he's not, he's not a guy I'd be upset with taking. Uh, but for me, as far as the DB goes, um, me and you are both big RAS guys, but of course the, the DB that tickles my fancy the most is the one with the worst RAS out of the group. Uh, Brian Branch had a five, nine RAS, um, which you and I do put a lot of stock in RAS because, you know, uh, great athletes a lot of times make great football players, but the RAS is not a rock solid science. There's been plenty of guys that have overcome poor scores to have great careers. Um, but Brian Branch is a guy who has been really, really good in the nickel spot for arguably until – you know, probably what you'd say the past two, three years with Georgia's emergence, the best defense probably every year in the country mm-hmm. in Alabama under a very uh, defensive-minded coach in Nick Saban. Uh, Brian Branch can play outside. He can play in the nickel. Uh, he could play up top as your, as your uh, one-high safety, uh, which not a ton of the NFL runs a one-high safety, but he could. Um, but, you know, he's he's my guy as far as DBs go, but also have a couple on that list in, in Brent's um, – that I'd be satisfied with. Um, Kelly Ringo is the only one that makes me a little bit nervous, but like you said, he does fit kind of that bulky mold more than some of the others do, which is why I assume he'll be the pick. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Julius Brantz would have me really excited. Deontay Banks would have me super excited, and Branch would have me the most excited if DB was our pick at 24. If I had to rank these, Branch, Banks, Brantz, Ringo. 100%. Uh, I'm right there with you. Word for word, perfect. I- I love I loved Banks before the combine. I didn't expect him to do that. I mean, I thought he was a really good athlete, but I didn't think historically great athlete. And that just that just sweetens it even more. Um, moving on, we we'll go to the other side of the ball. We've got uh, offense. We got three players that I have uh, written down here. Florida offensive lineman Osiris Torrance, who has never given up a sack in his collegiate career. Uh, Michael Mayer, tight end from Notre Dame, widely considered the best tight end in this class. And then uh, a tight end that's often discussed right behind him, uh, Utah's Dalton Kincaid. Yeah, and uh, now you know me, big tight end guy, uh, but I don't expect the Jags to go tight end in the first round. But again, wouldn't wouldn't complain in the slightest um, because – as good as the tight end position was for the Jags in 2022, and we're bringing back the same guy who created all that production, there's still a big question mark for the future at that position for the Jaguars. Uh, Evan Ingram, as of today, as of the time of this recording, is still on a one-year franchise tag contract with the Jaguars. Um, And you would not expect him to get another franchise tag in 2024. That would be pretty ludicrous for a tight end. Uh, so you would expect that if a long-term extension is not reached by July 15th, he's gone after 2023. Um, and he was huge for us, but if you can grab a Dalton Kincaid or a, uh, a Michael Mayer, that's, those are two really, really good players. Um, you know, Notre Dame players, you know, Notre Dame for being kind of a blue blood, blue blood program, um, there's not a ton of huge stars in the NFL out of Notre Dame, but uh, Mayor's going to be a first-round pick for somebody. You know, he, he's going to go, I assume, probably in the 15 to 25 range. Um, you know, and wouldn't shock, be shocked at all, though, if Dalton Kincaid was the first tight end to go. It wouldn't uh, shock me either. Kincaid's hands are ridiculous. Um, he's got 
incredible receiver qualities. Better route runner. Yeah, but the guy that most excites me on the offensive side of the ball at 24 is Osiris Torrance. Um, I have loved Osiris Torrance since he played high school ball at St. Helena Academy in Greensburg, Louisiana. I've been watching him since then. Uh, Went to the University of Louisiana Lafayette, played under Billy Napier there. Uh, Was only a two-star coming out of high school, which, again, as you and I have discussed, baffled by how high school players are ranked um, because – he follows his coach to Florida, like we've discussed, probably doesn't get a chance to play in the SEC if not for the fact that his coach got a new job and took him with him. And what does he do at Florida? Dominates. He uh, he unveiled his uh, brick today um, at the University of Florida for being a first-team All-Pro. He literally showed that he belongs on the highest level of college football. Um like you said, never allowed a sack, showed that evaluators of him coming out of high school were very wrong uh, with their evaluation of him. Now, again, another guy who did not test very well, uh, RAS-wise, he was a 6-4-3. Um, but again, don't care because he's a beast and he's a mauler. Um, and he's a guy that I think slides right in as your starting left guard. I don't think there's a competition with Ben Barch. I don't think there's a competition with Tyler Shatley. I think Osiris comes right in and starts. And if you can go Cam, Osiris, Fortner, Sheriff, Walker Little. You want to talk about a big, mean uh, left side of the line? Yeah. Woo. And, you know, us having a, a running back, not not really Travis Etienne, but Hasty's a pretty good pass protector too, so – that that's a really good group to put in front of your franchise. Well, and look at your depth. You you got to be really happy with your depth if you if you're especially on the interior if if you're going to have Ben Barch and Tyler Shatley both both uh, backups. Yeah, because well, I mean Shatley has proven he can play center in a pinch or guard, right? And then you've got Barch who came into the league obviously as a guard but has tackle experience from his college days. So you've got two guys there that can really slide in and give you quality reps in the interior if called upon. Um, Now I am a big proponent of if you draft a guard in the first round, draft a tackle uh, later because it just adds uh, more depth. It gives you a swing guy that we had in Walker little, but now he's going to be a starter with Juwan Taylor in Kansas city. So um, I'm really, we have nine picks. I'm on board with two DBs, two edge rushers, two O-linemen. Uh, as six of our picks because we need and, depth at those places and a tight end and a tight end and I and I need, I want a receiver also, um, but as we get closer to the draft we'll talk about that kind of stuff. But um, of the guys you named on the offensive side of the ball, I'm not complaining at all. Uh, if either of those two tight ends is our pick, uh, especially Dalton Kincaid because I think he takes over for Ingram in 2024 as a starter easily, no issues. Uh, and then Osiris is my top pick offensively. For us at 24, Branch is my number one guy overall. Uh, Osiris is my second, um, but I'm thrilled if Osiris, I, and I think he's probably there because I think a lot of teams are probably a little hesitant to draft a guard in the top 15. So you expect him to be there at 24. And then it gets into the conversation of, you know, Trent Balky and Doug Peterson and their team. If they're staring at Osiris Torrance and Brian Branch at 24, that's a decision that I'm glad I don't have to make, but it'd be a decision that I'm glad we're in a position to make because I think we really can't go wrong. 
Yeah, I, I think of those three, Osiris is, is really the only guy I would consider if I had to pick. Um, but, you know, that being said, Dalton Kincaid's so sexy as a tight end. Um, and, and then you got Michael Mayer, who, who's, you know, a lot more well-rounded of a player. But, you know, you throw any ball up in Kincaid's zip code and this dude's hauling it in. Um, you know, that would be something that would be fantastic to have, especially on offense. Give give Trevor another weapon, which you can never complain about. Uh, and then our last position group, I wanted to mention two names. We've got uh, Brian Brzee from Clemson, and then we've got Mozzie Smith from Michigan. Um, Brzee is a guy who's, who's faced some adversity recently. Um, his sister died, uh, passed away this, this, previous off, uh, this previous season, faced some injury concerns or injury problems. Um, really had a tough 2022 he he was great in 2021 tape looked phenomenal 2022 kind of had a down year and has fallen down boards a little bit um you know there's definitely some concerns on tape from this past year teams really have to talk to him and figure out hey you know how much of this was you know your your play and how much of this was was maybe some outside stuff um, but you know, he, he is a guy that could be there at 24 for us and a guy that I think that Trent Balky would consider. Yeah. And I think he would, he would be, he would fit right in, uh, and he would do a really good job playing on the interior. Uh, makes me a little nervous, uh, just to draft that position in the first round, but I mean, he's a guy who's definitely worthy, um, and, and I think he will be a first round pick for somebody, you know, it's one of those things where. Uh, just because I may not want him necessarily on my squad doesn't mean that I don't think he could be really, really good for a long time. Um, but drafting that position makes me a little nervous that early. Um, again, a guy who has tested really, really well. Uh, he's a nine five nine, the most recent. Um, you know, struggled in the bench uh, for his position, uh, but excelled uh, in his forty. Uh, in his shuttle and his three cone, uh, his height was really good, good arm length. He's um, quick. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, he's another guy that I wouldn't be – he's not as sexy. I wouldn't be as excited about. Uh, but, like I said, there, there's a big list of guys that I could I could stomach. It's not going to be like 2018 where I have to Google who Taven Bryan is. when we call his name because I'm literally sitting there in 2018 like you know what we just won the AFC championship we're going to the Super Bowl next year obviously it doesn't even matter who we draft and then Taven Bryan and I was I I had to go to Google pretty quick because if I don't know who you are that's probably a bad thing yes uh you know Brzee's a guy that was really projected to go top 10 um before the season and and now he's probably looking more in the, the late teens early 20s um so we'll see where he ends up going i'm really interested he's one of the players that i think probably has the widest margin to go i wouldn't be surprised if he fell to the second round i wouldn't be surprised if he got taken at 13 um you know he's he's guy that you know if, if you can if you could if you want to bet on that athleticism go ahead um you know if it works he's going to be one of the one of the premier um interior penetrators in the NFL. And and if you pick him and it doesn't work out, then you look like a fool. But, uh, you know, that's that's with a lot of players as well. So um, next guy, Mazzy Smith. Mazzy Smith, my apologies. 
Um, he was Bruce Feldman's number one freak athlete going into this year and then tested relatively average, which was confusing. Um, so he, he's a much bigger guy. I, what, what, what do we have in that? Three, three thirty, three twenty five, uh, three twenty three on his yeah. RAS chart. Big boy. Um, tape is really hot and cold at times. You know, he, he has the best highlights of maybe any any player not named Jalen Carter in this uh, defensive line class. And then at times he's just seemingly asleep for periods of time. Um, so if he can get that consistency down, um, you know, he, he's going to be one of the best defensive linemen in, the, in this draft class. Yeah. And uh, like you said, with his testing, he had an incomplete RAS. Uh, he didn't get a score from uh, Kent. Uh, he didn't participate in the 40 or any kind of running like that. Uh, he did get 34 reps on bench, uh, which shows man. that he's real strong. Uh, he had a 29-and-a-half-inch vert. He had a, a 8-11 broad jump. Uh, so he's – and he's a guy that the Jags have actually shown some interest in. Uh you know, our uh, our defensive line coach uh, put him through his workout uh, at Michigan. Um, he had a kind of a private meeting after his pro day with the Jag staff that was in attendance at the Michigan pro day. So it's a guy that we're definitely keeping tabs on. Um, you know, everybody kind of meets with everybody early in the process of the offseason with like the combine and things like that and the, the all-star games. Uh, pro days show you a little bit more of who teams are interested in. And then those top 30 visits, uh, you put a lot of stake in those as far as interest. Um, but, again, those aren't like a, a science anyway. Devin Lloyd said he had, like, not even talked to the Jags. Um, and I think Blake Bortles said the same, where he had, in the whole process, basically not spoken to the Jags at all. Um, so, uh, he's another guy who the Jags have shown interest in. You know, like you said, hot and cold tape, but but his hot tape is really good. Uh, so he's another guy that, again, less sexy at 24, but I, I wouldn't complain. There's a, there's a short list of guys that I'd actually complain about. If we were to take some super reach just because we had a good season and we think that we can, that would make me nervous. I think we need to take the best available player on the board. I don't think we need to play around with it, especially with uh, so many of our talented, really talented players being on rookie contracts. We don't need to play around with any draft pick. Um, and it's not just the quarterback. You know, a lot of people say, well, you got to capitalize on a rookie quarterback deal. Well, we also have a really good rookie running back, a really good rookie corner, um, a tackle. rookie tackle, a rookie edge, and two linebackers that we hope turn out to be really good also. Um, a really, really good rookie contract safety in Andre Cisco. So uh, we can't afford to, like, let's win a Super Bowl first and then we'll draft for fun. Uh, but until then, it needs to be – Continued what Balky's done, you know, the last two drafts, which I give him a lot of credit for the last two drafts. Um, the 2022 class has a lot more to show, but they were rookies uh, this past year, so they have some leeway, uh, the same leeway we gave Trevor and company in that first season. Uh, but 24-50 to me, 24-56 and 88 need to be like day one contributors. Um, even if they don't start necessarily, quote-unquote, that needs to be your edge, your corner, and your tight end, unless you were to maybe land an Osiris. I, I don't know if I would take any other O-lineman that early. Um, but we need to hit on these picks. 
And um, most of the people me and you talked about tonight are guys I'd be incredibly happy with. Like, I don't have a ton of guys that make me nervous. Um, the interior defensive line guys, a little bit, just because of where we're picking in the draft. Uh, a guy like Kelly Ringo seems like a boomer bust type guy. Uh, but most of the people we talked about, especially the Osiris Torrances, the Brian Branches, the Deontay Banks, um, Dalton Kincaid would be a pipe dream, but I'd be jumping up and down on the sofa if his name was called uh, Nolan, for the Jags. Yeah. Nolan yeah, Smith nice. would be a home run. Um, Julius Brents would be a home run. Like I like I said, there, there's a we're in a very unusual, unfamiliar position this year with the draft, um, but I'm excited about it strictly because – you know, there's there's so much that we can just sit back and feel good about as far as names or even positions. I mean, there's four different positions that are all needs, you know, that we could feel really good about taking with that first pick. Yeah, I, I, I think you probably see uh, defensive line interior penetrator probably taken a little bit later, maybe, maybe round three, uh, maybe round two. You know, if the Jaguars want to key in on a guy like Keanu Benton from uh, – Wisconsin or Javon Dexter. Um, but yeah, I think the Jaguars are in a really good spot. Luckily for us, this is a really good edge class in a really good corner class. Even, even for corner going into rounds like three and four, you got guys like Riley Moss who tested out of this world with a nine, eight, nine shout out to the Gardner Minshew of corners. Uh, it's hilarious. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's, it's really good spot for the Jaguars. I think they are, in a position to where they can move up if they want to. But I think if they sit there, that, that they'll have some some really good players fall in their lap. Another one to keep his name on your mind as we get closer to draft time at corner for like that second, third round range is Darius Rush, the other corner out of South Carolina. DJ uh, Turner. Opposite of uh, camps with DJ Turner also. Uh, DJ, I think he's flying up too. I think he's going to be like a probably a mid-second round pick. I agree. Um, yeah. If he was now, bigger, he'd go. Yeah, Darius Rush is a guy that could though could possibly be there in that early third round. Um, now it also wouldn't shock me if Rush went, you know, mid second, like we're talking about with DJ Turner. Uh, but Darius Rush isn't the corner from South Carolina that's getting the love, but he 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 needs to, and he's starting to get it. Look, he was a nine eight RAS. Uh, so he is an athletic freak. Uh, his vertical and his broad were kind of in that average range, but he ran a four three six. Um, he's a big corner. He weighs two hundred pounds. Like he's not a tiny guy. Um, his ten yard split was a one four. Like this guy can roll. Um, and what we need to do is we we need to to the best of our ability, like we need to address nickel, but we also need to try to address that long term answer opposite of Tyson Campbell in this defense. Uh, Darius Williams is going to be in the final year of his contract uh, this year. And the fact that he wasn't extended or restructured makes me kind of think that he may not be in the 2024 plans as of today. Could obviously change if he uh, plays really, really well, as he did, you know, at points towards the end of the last season. Um, but you'd expect Darius Williams to maybe not be in the roster plans for 2024. And so, like, I'm, I'm team draft two DBs. So if you do uh, land Brian Branch in the first to play nickel, I would be hunting for that that corner opposite at the in the third round, maybe that early fourth round, that first fourth round pick at one twenty one. Maybe package those and go up and get somebody, because um, we don't need to draft nine players really. Not not in the 
not with us having holes that we need to address without a ton, without a lack of talent. Last year, we kind of sat, you know, on the podcast and talked about there were a lot of places where we had a lack of talent, maybe not the best roster. And I think now, you know, a year later, we're, we're singing a different tune when it comes to the overall talent of the roster. Um, but that doesn't mean it's perfect. Uh, these uh, Today, there was a tweet that um, of the meme of the guy from Tangled with all the, the uh, swords to his neck, and it said, share your unpopular Jags opinion. And mine was, uh, I don't just assume we'll be good in 2023. Um, I've been burned too many times. Uh, we need we need edge help. We need nickel help. We need wide receiver depth. We need tight end depth. Um, we need interior defensive line help. Uh, help. We need interior offensive line help. Uh, there are there are holes to fill. Now they're not glaring, many of them, uh, but we got some work to do. And I'd rather not draft nine players. I'd rather draft like six and call it a weekend early and get the best players we can, quality over quantity, and call it a draft. Yeah, just one more name I want to throw out at the nickel position before we get off. Anthony Clark, Richardson. Clark Phillips. Anthony um, probably be a really good nickel. That is an athlete. Anyway, uh, yeah, Clark Phillips. Uh, out of damn Utah. good football player. Similar to Branch, we're not, not the best athlete, not the biggest guy, but – you know, if you if you needed to draft the best corner today, it would be Clark Phillips and Devon Witherspoon. Yeah, and um, you know, like you said, didn't test incredibly well. Uh, you know, he was a five four, RAS, um, not very tall, not very heavy. Bench was pretty good for a corner though. He's a strong guy for his size. I mean, he was. He was an eight nine on the RAS. He had eighteen reps, and he's a corner. I mean, it's just pretty good. He put him um, up. Yeah, a good ten yard split, average forty time. It's so funny that in the year of our Lord twenty twenty three, a four five is no longer fast. Do you yeah. remember like ten years ago when a four five they were like, oh my god, <laughs> like, and now a four five is like, oh, that's all he ran, uh, which is. Uh, crazy to me. Um, but only only a thirty three on the vertical, which which landed him a two seven eight, which which isn't great. Um, but turn on the tape, like you know, wa- watch the tape, watch him go up against some really good wide receivers in the Pac twelve, uh, and perform really really well. Um, also would probably make our guy Devin Lloyd extremely happy, an old running buddy of his coming to Jacksonville. Um, you know, but Clark Phillips is a guy who. I've seen mock to the uh, Jags a good bit with that second round pick. Um, Not sure if he's there at 56, probably not. Uh, He's probably again, a mid twenties to early to maybe mid forties pick. uh, If the draft were today, Um, but another really, really good player, a guy that again, I would not be upset about in the slightest uh, if he was the guy coming uh, to be opposite of um, Tyson Campbell. Yeah, if if you if you're looking for a starting nickel in this draft, if you draft uh, and and you want to draft edge rusher at 24, Clark Phillips is the guy. He he's aside from Brian Branch, the most ready-made starter at nickel right now. Um, and and as we say, you know, good teams have good football players. You know, it helps to have them. But uh, is there anything else you want to mention before we head off? Uh, no, man, it's just, um, you know, we're getting closer. Uh, you know, as the time of this recording, we are Fred Taylor days away from the draft. Uh, 
So we're less than a month away. It's the most exciting time of the year to me as a football fan um, because it's not stressful like games are, uh, wanting your team to win. Um, and it's really fun just as a football fan in general, not just who the Jags take, but, hey, you know, Daniel's a Florida fan. He, you know, he probably gets excited to see all of his favorite Florida guys getting drafted. I love to see all my LSU guys get drafted. As a coach, I get to see guys that I've coached against get drafted. Um, you know, Jacqueline Roy, who met with the Jaguars this week after his pro day from LSU, uh, coached against him when he was in high school. Was not fun. Uh, it's a guy that I'm glad I don't have to coach against anymore. Uh, but the draft is a really fun time, you know, and, and the Jags are in a really good spot. Uh, the way things are looking that they're going to fall, granted, a lot will change over the next four weeks. But uh, there's going to be some really, really, really good football players sitting for the Jaguars at 24. Um, I don't think we're going to have to reach on anybody. Uh, Nolan Smith and Brian Branch, whichever one yeah. of them's there. Yep, and and if there aren't, give me Osiris Torrance, and I'm happy as a clam. Uh, so, you know, it's exciting times. Uh, you know, when we come back, we don't know. We always kind of uh, – the topics are always kind of a mystery. So we'll, we'll leave it at that for what the next episode will hold. You'll just have to tune in and find out. Um, but it will always be a, a good time like it always is every every single Thursday night here on, on the pod. Well, as always, we'll let you guys go. Duval till we pod. <laughs>